Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 533, being recorded on Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walworth. And I'm Sebastian Peek. And we're glad you could join us. We normally record the shows uh, Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 a.m. UTC. And to know when we go live, you can join our mailing list over at pcpro.com slash subscribe, where we uh, we have a, a mailing list where we use it only to let you know about an hour or so before we go live. We don't use it for any other purpose. Uh, and, of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. So check that out, pcpro.com slash subscribe. Uh, if you want to support what we do here, you can head over to patreon.com slash pcpro. Uh, where if you you know if you run an ad blocker or if you just want to you know add uh, add a little bit of extra support uh, this helps us out greatly every dollar spent here uh, goes directly to funding the operation of the site uh, so we really appreciate that and of course we do our thing where if you uh, become a new patron during the show or increase your pledge during the show uh, change the name field at Patreon uh, to uh, uh, to whatever you want basically and I will read out whatever you put in that field. Uh, or, or your name, if you just want to use your name, too. So uh, be sure to, to uh, check that out over there. And, of course, you can head to joshtech.com, which is our merchandise store over at Teespring, uh, where you can get a T-shirt, a mug, a poster. Uh, helps us out. Uh, you get something cool, we get uh, a cut of the sale, and it's uh, it helps us out here. Again, all the money there goes directly to funding the operation of the site. So we really appreciate that. But uh, let's jump into the news this week. We've got uh, a review. Well, first of all, we've got some big AMD news, which we will get to, but normally we cover reviews first in chronological order or in order of uh of the show here so we'll start off with a review f- uh, from sebastian this week of a pretty neat looking uh ambient light kit from nzxt tell us uh tell us about this this is the nzxt hue 2 rgb ambient light kit v2 yes so the hue 2 already existed this is version 2 which basically just improves the mounting setup better adhesive these 90 degree angle uh connectors with their own adhesive pads and stuff but what this is if you're not familiar with it it's basically a controller it's an rgb controller and addressable rgb strips basically what you would see inside of a computer case but you stick them on the back of your monitor and depending on which kit you buy you either have the the right amount of strips for most monitors up to like a 35 inch ultra wide there's a separate kit that's for more conventional monitors that are taller up to 36 inches or 32 inches i think so they sent us the like the the standard kit that goes up to 36 inch monitors or 32 inch monitors and i installed it and it was really a simple process i mean it's as easy as it looks you're sticking things to the back of your monitor so i laid it all out beforehand there are different length strips in the box you have to kind of decide what's going to be on the sides what's going to be on the top and the bottom and you have a couple 90 degree angle connectors to sort of create your rectangular shape and when it's all done you install the cam software and when that is loaded if you have it on the ambient mode, because you can do like your own custom colors and stuff like any RGB controller, if you put it into the smart mode, it'll run through a calibration where it lights up certain uh, parts of the backlight, like the ambient light behind the monitor, and you have to identify which ones they are. And when you're done, it starts projecting onto the wall behind the monitor, whatever's on the display. Of course, a very, very low resolution, just kind of, ambient light version of it but if you have a blue background it's projecting blue if it's mostly yellow you've got yellow that sort of thing and there's enough Dude, that's granularity that's, bias. that's it, yes i've been yes. looking for one of these damn things for ages <laughs> and then they stop yeah. selling it and then there's all these other crappy ones and then there's things that that have patreons and then you could 
you could you could send them a lot of money and you might get one from them. And I I've been wanting one of these for a long well, time. Well, you should have been the one to review it. How much does it cost? Look no, at, I, I, I don't. I don't want to review it. Look at this Skittles like background That's I have going beautiful. on. Beautiful colors and yeah. backlighting. Uh, I th- it's one hundred and nine dollars. It's like one hundred nine ninety nine. And I, I I put in the review that it was actually selling for only seventy nine dollars currently, but I think that's not the V two. Because if you search for this on Amazon, this comes right up. It says retail one hundred nine ninety nine, uh, selling for seventy nine ninety nine. But I don't see a V two in the descriptors. So that might not be the one with the new. No, it's uh, Hue two. But it's that's not Hue two V two. Oh, V2 is the same. It it works the same. It has the same controller, I think. It's just the adhesive strips. And I think they were doing some sort of a program where original Hue 2 owners could get the new strips. But anyway, the the version 2 is what they sent. It's the absolute newest revision of it. It's the same technology. So if you get that one for less on Amazon, you're going to be able to figure out how to get it going, and it's going to be the same same experience that I had. But I thought it looked nice. I mean, Toxinate was talking about the Light Pack, Light Pack 2. Yeah. I mean, it was the thing that I've been looking at, and they've been, you know, supposedly waiting for ages for those damn things. And NZXT, they did it. Two yeah, bastards. That, that, that was a crowdfunding. Yeah. They've got underglow. They've got underglow for your case too. Oh yeah, they've got. If if you've got money, like they can supply you with RGB for everything. <laughs> hmm. So I thought it was nice. I mean. I, not a not a trivial thing to add to your setup. It's 110 bucks. So, if you value this kind of bias lighting and you like the idea of being, because you can buy kits on Amazon for less than 50 bucks that have just a few light strips and a controller, you can pick like a bias lighting color. But this lets you do custom colors and it lets you do the whole the whole ambient effect. So, it plays along with your game. The controller seems to be fast enough that it's not like a noticeable lag when the lights are changing. So. Because I, I like playing it. in the dark, you know what I'm saying, and and not having some back bias lighting is, mm. it's it's hard on the eyes. Indeed, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe, maybe it's worth the hundred and eight dollars. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> You're worth it, Josh. I am. My eyes are worth it. And let me tell you, I'm yep. getting towards bifocal range now. So. Mm-hmm. Got to baby these puppies. No, all that all that talk, and I don't think I even had it in the smart mode. Okay, why don't you, do it, it, it why don't you show be, us the uh, smart mode and talk a little bit more about it? No, it's okay. Just want to make sure it's in the right mode. Uh, let's see, smart, apply. There we go. There you go. See now you can you can kind of tell on the bottom where you've got like the red yep. and the green from the bottom of this background. It's projecting out like the lighter colors behind, but anyway, it works. Possibly one of the most useless segments for our audio audiences, but uh... okay, yes, for our audio listeners, I was just pressing buttons on a software program that enabled a ambient lighting feature, so you got a very faint. Uh, effect if you're watching the video like oh that kind of looks like the green on the screen is projecting green behind the screen but mostly off of the desk because uh the podcast host has inadequate lighting and a subpar camera setup so that's all you missed that's all right it's 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 pretty thank you for our synesthesia part of the podcast absolutely all right so that's the uh 
NZ, I'm sorry, NZXT. Uh, I got to reload the page here so I can get the right product name. U2 NZXT V2. Hue 2. Yeah, V2. Got to make sure you get that V2, not just the Hue 2, the V2 as well. All right. Hue 2 V2. So let's uh, let's start, move on to the the big story of the day, uh, and that is the the announcement uh, or the official launch, I guess, of Zen two based Epic. So obviously, uh, Epic is is AMD's server platform. Uh, they they've had you know there, there's been Epic on the market. They've gotten the this Zen two architecture, which is the the basis of the Ryzen three thousand desktop processors that launched uh, last month. And now that technology, that architecture is coming to the server in a product code name Rome. So it's it's still Epic officially, but it's Epic Rome in quotes, I guess. I'm not sure how how much you'll see that in the in the marketing. But this isn't something you're gonna buy at the store as a consumer, unless you're like Wendell down at level one techs and you're just gonna go out <laughs> and buy a bunch of this stuff. This is stuff that's gonna go into the data centers, it's gonna go into the Amazon servers and and the you know the Microsoft servers and uh, do everything from running databases to doing like full 3D motion rendering and and crypto stuff. Oh heck, it's going to be file servers. I mean, they're going to put some PCIe mm-hmm. 4.0 uh, yeah. storage units on those damn things, and you've got a single socket file server that typically, you know, from last year you would you would have two sockets. And, uh, you know, two lower-end Xeon chips for doing that. And, and now you're going to have a single socket. You could probably have 8 to 16 cores or whatever. But you've got that PCIe 4.0 love and 128 lanes of it. And if yeah. you don't think the storage guys are salivating at that stuff, you're not paying attention. Because that's some serious I.O. Not right. to mention the, the I.O. already kind of built into the, the Epic stuff. But I apologize for, for interrupting. Go, go right ahead. No, please. You're, you know, you're, you're the AMD. Uh, I'm expert. excited. You're, you're the architecture expert. But yeah, mm. the, the, you know. So if you if uh, if you out there, if you recall the advantages that uh, Ryzen 3000 brings to the market with X570, like PCIe 4, like improved memory latencies, improved latencies between the the inner inner chiplet communication, all that applies to to this new Epic part. And it's up to 64 cores in a single processor. And uh, as Josh said, 128 PCIe 4.0 lanes. It's a monster on paper. And we didn't get a we didn't get one of these. We, we don't review server parts. So AMD didn't send us one. But AMD did send out review units to some of the guys out there who are into that. And, and you know, that includes uh, uh, Serve the Home. Uh, Patrick Kennedy over there uh, has a big review up today. Uh, on that, so we'll link to that in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. I know a non-tech as well. Uh, if you, I guess we're going to shop at Best Buy, but um, if you uh, if you want to check out, <laughs> do, their do you have a tech well, perspective code for for Best Buy that we can use? I don't think we do. I don't. I don't. Uh, oh, I don't believe yeah, so. Damn. But uh, all right, I, I wouldn't want to take any any uh, any well deserved revenue away from a non-tech uh, for their their marketing here. <laughs> My God. Okay, but. Uh, but yeah, so you know, before we before we hop in, let let's let's take a look back. So the original Epic was, of course, you know, four of the original, you know, Zen chips, and uh, the 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 Zen Plus, but it had problems. One, I mean, the Infinity Fabric worked fine, but each of those you know chips had its own memory controller. It had its own PCIe slots. You know, all these things that 
it was nice to have a lot of, but it made software really, really hard. Uh, just because you had to deal with NUMA. You you had to deal with kind of different routing issues. You, you had increased latency from different CCIXs uh, depending on which chip they were the, on, you know, the, the CCX, sorry. And it was a really interesting product because it did add a tremendous amount of threads to any single socket. And they, you know, they put that off onto Threadripper as well. But they totally re-architected Rome in that you've got this massive single I.O. chip that has all of the memory controllers on there. And then you've got the eight dies, the eight, you know, Zen 2 dies in there that are all connected via Infinity Fabric. And they've normalized um, latency intercore stuff from CCX to CCX. Uh, you've got a single memory controller, so you don't have to worry about NUMA. Um, you've got 7 nanometer, so you've got this big chip that has 64 cores and 128 threads that's pulling, that, that, that's not pulling, but it's it's 225-watt TDP. It's probably pulling a lot more power than that, but that's all, you know, that's, that's, that's work being done, and it's not all heat being produced. But anyway... Um, they have so many things. 128 PCIe lanes out of that big old 14 nanometer I/O chip. Uh, they've got uh, analog to digital type stuff in there, and some of the serial stuff. And but it, you know, it worked out better for them to not have that all on seven nanometer as a monolithic die. And they've architected this so so smartly that they're putting these things together. They don't cost as much money as you think. And their margins, if they really start selling a lot of these, their margins are going to be just sky high. Because it's it's all packaged on an organic substrate. It's not doesn't require an interposer. 14 nanometer IO, while a big chip, it's a mature process that they get from global foundries at a pretty significant deal. And you know, it costs less than probably the uh the the seven nanometer CPU core, uh, and there's eight of those damn things on there. So it's they did so many smart things with this design, and they cut out a lot of the original issues with Epic um, that it had with the the fourteen nanometer, you know, Zen Zen ones and plus core. That yeah, they're they're sitting in the catbird seat, and you've got. One um, one socket setups that match Intel's highest end two socket stuff that you're paying a tremendous amount of money for per socket with a chip that can give you the same amount of threads and, and type of performance as a single Epic based on ROM. It's just... This is like the original Opteron back in 2003, 2004. When they released that, it had so much better performance than anything Intel had. It had so much better power uh, consumption than what the the Xeons at the time had. I mean, it was it was a home run for AMD, and they're reproducing this because they've got a process advantage, they've got a more scalable architecture, and Intel is still relying on these monolithic dies or you know having kind of two dies in there that are more akin to the the previous epic but without of course 
having an infinity fabric, putting it all together. Instead, they've, they've kind of got a, an interesting networking solution that, you know, I just don't know enough about from Intel side, but in terms of performance and the amount of threads you get and, and the power consumption and cooling you required, it just is, it looks like it is beating the pants off of Intel's latest and greatest that cost a tremendous amount more. And Jim knows more about the, the platinum stuff than I do. So he can probably talk about the, you know, the 128 thread uh, Epic versus that. Yeah, and uh, real quick, though, I, I, I do want to point out, uh, Surf the Home has a great chart on power consumption because from my perspective, again, not as a server expert, but when I was briefed on Cascade Lake earlier this year, that Cascade Lake being Intel's, Intel's latest server uh, platform, and looking at what was coming up with Epic, my impression was, well, you know, because AMD has always been, uh, you know, more, well, not always, but but in recent years, AMD has been more power hungry in certain respects. And it, maybe it was a better value at certain price points, but the power was higher. But look at this chart that uh, Serve the Home has. Let's see if I can make it uh, bigger. Here we go. You know, po- this, is, this is a single processor power consumption. And you're looking at the Xeon Platinum 8280. Now, the 8280 is not Intel's highest end. That is the the second highest end. The 9200 Platinum is their top end. And this is the power consumption uh, for idle and max uh, for for a single 8280. And you look at the 7742, the Epic 7742, which is a 64-core version, and significantly lower. I mean, that is real money to server deployments right there. Uh, and so, and, and so, not only is that seventy-seven forty-two going to perform better in many areas, not only is it going to have more capabilities like PCIe four point but you're saving a hundred, almost a hundred watts at max lower power consumption in a single processor configuration. That's and that's not that's just huge. and that's just not just CPU power consumption. That's you got a dense rack full of these things, and you yeah. you're cutting cooling down by a quarter. A third? Yeah. That's that's big. That's a lot of power to get yep. rid of that heat. And and so as, as Josh was alluding to, what, what's going on with Intel is that they also announced when they announced Cascade Lake, anticipating Rome, they announced the 9200 Platinum series, which goes up to 56 cores per processor. But the problem there is these these systems are are not really in the wild yet. They're presumably at a select few customers... Uh, installations because with the, with the, the ninety two hundred platinum they're not socketed. You just can't go buy a processor and a and a motherboard. Not necessarily that that people buying these systems would be buying individual components. You're generally going to a vendor and getting a complete system. But but still, if you want a ninety two hundred platinum system, you have to go to Intel. You have to buy their chassis, their board. It's a complete kit. They're incredibly expensive. We don't know the pricing because they're they're negotiating pricing on a per customer basis. And again, they're going to be higher power consumption, even than that 8200 here that we were looking at. Uh, so it's higher power consumption. It, yes, it's going to have better performance in in those multi-threaded uh, workloads, but it's still not going to have PCI 4.0, and it's probably still going to get beat. Well, it's certainly going to still get beat in certain workloads, and in the workloads where it wins, you're looking at a significant cost difference over Epic and a significant power consumption difference. So... Intel's now faced with what do they do? They've got this. If they got Cascade Lake, they just launched it earlier this year. They're constrained in terms of what's coming technologically in terms of architecture. 
So they've got to play the pricing game. It's the same thing they're going to have to do on desktop as as Ryzen 3000 continues to to uh, to mature here and, and and hit the market. You know, we're going to have to see if Intel wants to maintain its leadership in 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 server market share, which they have. They have a 95 plus percent control of the market, and, and these things don't turn over like your you know your 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 desktop PC. It's not like companies are going on buying new processors every eight months, but as as Epic hits the market as customers and, and companies start to change over. Intel's going to have to compete on price. They're going to have to to give up those huge price uh, uh, huge price tags that they normally charge. And uh, the amount of partners that came out <clears throat> at uh, yeah. Lisa's you know thing is it's impressive. I mean, you've got you know, like tie-in. I think uh, Supermicro's got something. Gigabyte's got some. Asus got something. Uh, then you start getting into the the big guys. Uh, Lenovo has products, uh, Dell EMC, they've got products. I'm assuming HP has mm-hmm. stuff coming out. Um, and then you've got Cray, who is working with them very, very closely in not just the CPU, but also uh, GPUs. And they just, you know, had announced the the big frontier that was like 1.25x, uh, I can't remember, tops you know flops it just an insanely huge supercomputer that's all you know based on on rome and then you've got they've got uh several other smaller ones one that they're doing for the air force that is going to do uh uh weather um surveys and, and forecasting and then they've got you know i think they had uh, university of indiana that had like a, a you know a single rack that you know still has a significant amount of 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 power and especially for you know a, a university which doesn't have the 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 type of budget that the Department of Defense and and the Department of Energy has, um, but they are they're going to be powering some of the biggest and and probably more most affordable supercomputers that that we have yet seen and again it's. It's a combination of, of really smart design. It's it's having access to a, a good seven nanometer process technology that Intel is not using. Yeah, Intel's got ten nanometers coming down, but right now it's it's all mobile parts, and those are going to be coming in November, December, and we don't know anything about server and desktop, and so AMD is. They were able to execute on this maybe not as good as we were hoping because initially, uh, a couple of years ago, they, they talked about Zen 2 would be coming out and the servers in a in a January, February 2019 timeframe. And so they're five to six months later on this than they wanted to be. But Intel has continued to stumble with 10 nanometer. And even though Intel has some great designs, and they're going to be sprinkling some interesting stuff in here uh, in the future with with you know when when ten nanometers finally out and about. Uh, AMD's got a window of opportunity to take back a pretty decent amount of of market share. And then when you also talk to like Google, they already have in production Rome based machines in in their data centers, and they're mm-hmm. going to be offering their cloud services uh, are based on, on these Rome parts later this year, you know, later in 2019. 
And we don't even talk about, you know, Amazon and Facebook and all these other guys that could potentially be doing that just because AMD has such a dense and power efficient product that is really good for their type of workloads. And so, I mean, this, this Epic launch, it is a far bigger thing than perhaps we were expecting just because, you know, when the original Epic came out, it's like, well, we're, you know, we're going to take a couple of percentage here and we've got, you know, stuff here and here and here. And suddenly they've got a really compelling product that works well. They're able to produce it. They're, they're probably getting some really good margins on it. And, uh, People are going to start seeing this and then CIOs and whoever. I mean, they're going to see some significant cost reasons to invest in these products. I mean, again, power, cooling, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the, the total cost of what TCO, is that it? Total yeah, cost of ownership. ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they're undercutting Intel. 25 to 50%, depending on uh, which product you're talking about, it's significant. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Intel reacts to this when the needle starts swinging towards more people buying some AMD stuff. I mean, it's it's not going to be overnight. It's going to take a while because AMD needs to... I mean, they, they had VMware up there. And when VMware was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're spending significant resources to get this running as well as we can. And, and adding a lot of extra features because, Hey, you've including them in there. And so, yeah, that's the uh, dedicated security processor in each one of these damn things and all this other stuff. I mean, Epic is Rome is, is really, they're knocking this one out of the park from what I've seen so far. And with what, uh, what beyond the home or at the home or who's that group serve the home, serve the home and, uh, and a non tech have done, I mean, they've shown that there are some serious advantages in in terms of just the the processing power and the amount of threads that you have and 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 the efficiency of this as compared to. And what, if you want to get really scared, Pharonix, Pharonix has already done theirs as well, so you can see what it does on Linux, which is freaking impressive. Yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, I've been talking nonstop for the last twenty minutes, and and my throat's dry. <laughs> Well, I think uh, you made a good point too about uh, the partners that AMD announced out of the gate because that is important. Because you know, first gen Epic uh, was not was no slouch. It had a lot of you know price to performance benefits and advantages uh, over Intel's offerings at the time. But the problem was they didn't have any partners. To, I mean, they announced it, and for six to eight months after announcing it, you couldn't buy an Epic server. And uh, hmm. Jeremy probably knows this too. He was he, he was begging people to go buy them, but you know, th- there weren't any available, and then eventually a few options started trickling out, and you could go to HP, but you only had a choice of, like, one or two different SKUs, and and so it, it took a long time to ramp up. And so coming out of the gate here, now they have to prove it. I mean, AMD is is in prove-it mode. They have to keep, they have to ship these in volume, they have to work with their partners, they have to get it out there, and they have to fight a huge battle because Intel is so entrenched in market share. And also, as good as Epic does look for so many different types of workloads, there are still workloads where Intel still wins. Uh, again, you, when you get to those workloads, you then have to weigh the price to performance and you know all that kind of stuff. But there are workloads, and, and there are specialized workloads, things like DL Boost, which 
gets overlooked, I think. Intel's pushing it hard, both in server and in desktop, but it is important. If, if you have a workload that can take advantage of those machine learning accelerated processes, the Intel processors can can destroy both their predecessors and their competition. The problem is there are very few things right now that actually can do that. So, uh, you know, this is this is time for AMD to prove it. They've got to, you know, make good on all these promises. But so far, it's looking very, very good. Yeah, and the amount of L3 cache that each one of these damn things have is, it's impressive. It's what, 32 gigs per, per uh, CCX? So 32 times 8, that's... What, 256 megs of L3 cache? That's, that's, that's ludicrous. It's awesome, but it's ludicrous. And then when you uh, factor in that they've essentially doubled uh, floating point performance and added AVX um, 256, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are going to be some workloads. That they're they're going to see a tremendous uptick in performance just because you got huge amounts of cash. You can preload that with, with stuff. If you've got really good programming and then, yeah, you've got amazing floating point uh, capabilities that, you know, sure. Uh, Intel has AVX five twelve, but again, it's, it's how many actual workloads will utilize that. There's, there's very few right now. So yeah, it's, it's just a tremendous amount of really good ideas put together at the right time, at the right node. And uh, AMD should be making some money. I mean, they're, they're pretty, we'll talk about their financials here shortly. But in terms of Epic, I mean, kind of the, the sky's the limit until in, Intel can get their 10 nanometer to work effectively on really large dies with good performance and, and clock speeds. And uh, so far, you know, we haven't seen any of that yet. I mean, I, I just don't know enough about 10 nanometer other than it works with icy lake. Why do I always. There are so many lakes. On, yeah, so many lakes. Ice lake. Ice lake. Icy lake. I don't want, I don't want to pile on Intel, but. It, it is important to reiterate too. I mean, we in, ten nanometer is not here yet. We are still waiting for ten. Nan- we had the announcement. At the no, there the there there has been ten nanometer parts in the wild. Okay, okay. There, mobile. There was, there was one they, mobile they, part they, that was yes. uh, that shipped in like a liter- literally ten units. <laughs> it was uh, it was a very 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 limited release last year. Uh, but but ten nanometer for the the mainstream for the the broad adoption is still not here we are still waiting i mean it's been it's been laid out they've they've made their case there's some good you know good stuff about it but we those systems aren't shipping till quote holiday so we're still waiting mm-hmm. to see uh when when are those going to hit the market what's the availability going to be like we've heard rumors and and reports that it's not good uh so maybe that's the reason for the delay so maybe by the time they do hit the market they they'll have fixed those those uh supply issues but um, you know, we're, just as much as AMD has to prove it by getting all this stuff into the market and making good on this, Intel's got to prove it on their end too that they can continue to to ship uh, where where they have. Yeah, the I don't think that they're going to have an issue in in providing product by the end of this year. Okay, but yeah, I mean they're they're going to have issues providing product right now, which is why they're not doing it. 
Yeah. And Intel is, is not like, you know, the one thing that AMD does, and they don't really have a choice, is as soon as they, they just can't store and hang on to product until they can release it out to where they, they can fill the channel instantly and then get good throughput and movement, they 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 essentially have to, you know, they, they stockpile a little bit, but then they release it out. And then we have, you know, some days and, and weeks worth of, of not being able to purchase these products like the R93900X. And then, you know, they, they drop more on the market. Bintel is is like they 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 have so I mean they still have eighty to eighty five percent of the entire CPU market. They can't afford to do that little bit by little bit. Otherwise their their OEMs and, and distributors are, are just gonna riot because they're gonna be pissed off because there's so much demand for having something that you supply eighty five percent of the market for. And so, yeah, I think that they're going to be fine come November, December, and there's going to be plenty of parts out. But yeah, it it, it is it is it is costing them in the near term. And AMD, they're ramping up their production, and they're 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 getting the channel filled slowly but surely. I mean, stuff like the uh, the R five thirty six hundred X is is well available. The thirty six hundred is that's probably the most popular part out there. And uh, yeah, so. I think they've also been stockpiling for a while for these Epic releases. And I think they're going to do well. But we'll see. It'll be oh. Cooper Lake, you have to remember, next year. Wonderful. That's apparently the next one. <laughs> God, stop with the lakes. Seriously. I know. You had well, valleys, just... you had rivers, now we're at lakes. What are we going to do, waterfalls? Are we going to start chasing waterfalls? Don't go chasing waterfalls. Charlie. No, no, no. Just stick to the rivers and the lakes that Intel is used yeah. to. God damn it. Well, that worked well. That was a good setup. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, so if you're interested in the, uh, in the actual reviews and seeing all the, all the, uh, the technical write up as well as this, the results of the performance, uh, tests, as we said, check out, uh, serve the home. That's, uh, serve the home.com. Uh, they've got that's their, their main story is the a full review of the, uh, Epic uh, 7000 series, Anantech has it uh, as well. And as Jeremy mentioned, if you're a Linux guy, uh, go over to Pharonix. Uh Although Linux was tested in, in those other locations as well, but obviously we know Pharonix yeah. is is the big Linux shop there. So uh, so check them out. And uh, you know maybe AMD will send us one at some point. We can do something with it. You know, do something crazy. But uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't get one in uh, for review. And and also I should say too, uh, I I haven't seen it yet but i'm sure that level one techs uh will have something as well wendell uh is always he's a big epic guy so so check out uh level one techs on youtube uh if you're interested there as well all right uh before we continue on with some more amd news i uh, just want to take a quick break to thank our sponsor this week if you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019 have you asked yourself what you're paying for between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, and then passes those savings directly to you. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month, and every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. 
With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans that have 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data per month and use your existing phone and existing number with all of your contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. So like like many of you, I had a plan with one of the big carriers uh, for years, and I never really paid much attention to it. And then we were approached by Mint Mobile, and, and I was able to start testing their service. I've been using it for about a month now, and setup is super easy. You sign up online, and they send you the, the setup kit in the mail. You pop the SIM in. You follow the instructions to go to the website on your device. I was able to use my existing phone, pick my plan to fit what I needed in terms of data usage, and the whole setup process took just a few minutes. I then wanted to make sure that coverage was going to be okay. And so for the last month, I've been walking around with one phone on my old carrier and one phone now with Mint Mobile. And everywhere I've gone, coverage has been just as good, if not better in some locations, than my old provider. Mint Mobile also supports advanced features that I kind of rely on, like Wi-Fi calling. So even in places where the signal wasn't uh, available for any carrier, I could still make calls using the local Wi-Fi network. But best of all was the price difference. With Mint Mobile, I am paying significantly less than what I was paying before. It's, it's almost it's almost astonishing. And I haven't, in this, this full month of using the service, haven't noticed any difference in terms of quality, features, coverage, anything. It is just as good as my old provider, but so much easier and so much cheaper. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash pcper. That's mintmobile.com slash pcper. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month without giving up any features, any quality. Head to mintmobile.com slash pcper. We thank Mint Mobile for their support of the PC Perspective podcast, and I thank Mint Mobile for making it so easy to save so much on our monthly wireless bill. And we're back. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh, continue on the AMD train and talk about their financial results. So we're a little out of date here. These results uh, hit the, hit the uh, news, I think, the day we podcasted last week, and we just didn't have time to get them into the show. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll do them their justice now. So, uh, Josh, I believe you were uh, on board for this one. Tell us, uh, how did AMD perform in their second quarter? You know, they they did okay. They they didn't have nearly a blockbuster quarter as that they're hoping. It was less than last year, but there are quite a few factors in there. One is that last year we were still in uh in the 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 the, the mining surge and, and they were sailing, you know, the RX five eighty for four hundred to five hundred dollars per pop. And uh, they were still selling good Ryzen products. And then I think around that point is when they started to release the 2000 series. And so they were getting, you know, they, they were having good revenue. Uh, they reported $1.8 billion this quarter, which is a little bit lower than I think people were, were expecting in analysts. Um, let me just double check that non-gap. Are you on the right quarter, Q2? I guess so. I swore it was 1.8. Why is it 1.53? I think I'm in the right quarter. Do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do second quarter. Yeah, no, I, I I was wrong. I, I'm thinking a quarter ahead with the 1.8. But no, they made $1.53 billion. They had a uh, a net income of, of $35 million, so they're making a profit. 
their uh, their margins are still hanging out at forty one percent, which is not great, but it's better than what they had than like you know like two years ago. Their margins were at like thirty two percent, thirty three percent, and I mean they were they were shipping a lot of dye and uh, not making a tremendous amount of money. I mean you know those those FX products were. Yeah, let's let's not, you know, let's not go back into that. But 1.53 billion is a solid result for them for a second quarter. And they're expecting 1.8 billion coming this this next quarter. Now, you would think that with the 3000 series and epic launches that they would be higher, but you know, AMD is still they're still struggling to get any kind of of momentum and and movement and and they're improving but it's it's a process, and uh, I think that things will start speeding up next year for them. But yeah, they they've had to deal with you know the the loss of the cryptocurrency that that hit the GPU portion pretty heavily. They're trying to get into the mobile market, and so they offered a lot of chips last quarter at a you know pretty low price, and so that didn't help out. I mean, they're, that they kept the margins the same. And uh, you know, improved their their bottom line, but it didn't improve it nearly as much as as you know probably analysts and, and people were hoping. However, you know they're still staying alive. Um, Three thousand and Epic series, they old only started shipping at the very very end of that quarter, and so they had a very minimal impact on revenues at that time. We're going to see a lot better uh, revenues. Like again, I said you know they expect one point eight million plus or minus fifty million. 1.8 billion, sorry, plus or minus 50 million. And, uh, you know, they have a new GPU. They have potentially a larger GPU that they're working on. We don't know the timeline of that. But now they've got all these 7 nanometer parts, and the Ryzen 3000 series is far more compatible, seemingly, with, with memory types, and even though we have a little bit of a um, disaster with the X570 boards, that they're getting firmware updates all the time, and the chips don't always run right, and it's kind of an AMD launch when it comes to that. Uh, the CPUs themselves are very, very good. Having PCI 4.0 at least six to eight months before Intel is a massive thing. They they worked with Fizon to get their PCIe 4.0 controller, you know, out in a very short amount of time. I guess they threw something like 15 million at Fizon to get them to to develop and release this chip in as timely a manner as possible. And that really just shows OEMs and users the the potential of this architecture because I think what the Fizon E18 I know they had an E19, and I don't know if that's more of a budget-oriented, but I think that I read something about the E18 is promising something like 7 gigabyte per second of, of, of reads when matched with an appropriate uh, type NAND. And that's awesome. I mean, you're, you're suddenly pushing the very limits of PCI 4.0, and Intel doesn't even have a PCI 4.0 solution yet. So if you're a heavy-duty I.O. guy that needs that bandwidth right now, your only option is AMD. So I don't know if anybody had else said, uh, had read things about AMD's quarter that I may have missed, 
But, you know, it wasn't a breakout quarter, but it was a solid quarter. And it builds a good foundation for what they've got coming up. And I don't think they're going to have a huge year this year. Because, I mean, they've, they've got to just overcome so much of what Intel has, has barricaded in in terms of, you know, servers and partnerships and software. But they're, they're, they're chipping away. And I think, you know, they may reach $2 billion in, in, in Q4 if things go well, especially because that's when they're going to start seeing money coming in for development of new consoles for 2020. And so that's another area where they're expecting some serious money throughout 2020 because you've got both uh, Microsoft and Sony that will be refreshing their consoles with 7 nanometer parts based on Zen 2 and Navi technology. So, yeah, they're they're doing okay. Now they just need a good mobile part to dethrone Intel Mm. and portables. How's that 3400G? It's not mobile. I have, I, I know. I, and it's not even Zen two. Well, it's a, it's a Zen Plus, and so it's 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 not exciting. Zen Plus and Vega eleven, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's I would not, be excited uh, about it. Like Zen two Navi APU, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, basically a yeah. T- taste of the consoles to come. But that will that we'll get that next year, I'm sure. Probably February March. I'm okay with that. Which is pretty close. It's, well, yeah, yeah it's... Don't remind we'll me, see. Josh. CES is so close that... <laughs> you can taste it. You can taste yeah. the glitter on your tongue. Yeah. It tastes like pain. Yeah. I just realized I forgot to book hotel rooms. Yeah. Don't worry. They're still yeah, available. But... They just get way more expensive. Well, or we end up staying like at that dump we stayed at last year. You know, it was it was quaint. It was off the strip. Yeah, quote off the strip is just code yeah. word for you can buy <laughs> drugs in the lobby. But it uh, wasn't that bad. I uh, mean, we had a fairly clean room. There was a smell that was on my clothes. Yeah, uh, good good couple washings. <laughs> but but hey, all right. Um, well, let's uh, let's. I guess. Do uh, I not have to talk anymore? Because I've talked a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, does anyone else have any final thoughts on? Uh, AMD's financials. No. Okay, so uh, Josh said it all. How many times can you say that? And not even very well. Well, we take what we can get. But yeah. uh, stick it the with the starving AMD. man will eat gruel. Sure, mm. sure. Especially when it's a week late. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, stick with AMD's uh, AMD news. Uh, there, this happened. I think it was yesterday. Uh, a little bit of a disturbance on Twitter where uh, a couple outlets, uh, I think the one I saw first was WCCF Tech, announced a story that they had heard rumors that Dr. Lisa Su, AMD's CEO, who has been a very, very important figure in this whole turnaround, both in desktop and server uh, and, and GPU, you know, that she was leaving or considering a role beyond yeah. AMD, preparing a successor, I think was the, the title they used. And, um, of course, that's huge news because she is, you know, th- th- there are some executives in the tech world who aren't that crucial, you know, th- not that they're not ne- not important, but they're not, you know, they're not the the uh, 
the center of, of, a, of a company's strategy and turnaround, and, and, and that does not apply here. I think Lisa Sue has been absolutely instrumental in this in this culture shift and in this technological shift at AMD. Uh, she's incredibly well-spoken. She's a, a pleasure to listen to uh, at events. Uh, so, so her leaving uh, AMD would be huge news. And uh, she immediately, uh, let's see if I can pull the tweet up here. So this was the story that WCCF Tech tweeted yesterday. And she immediately jumped on Twitter and said, for the record, zero truth to this rumor. I love AMD and the best is yet to come. So that, uh, you know, that's unusual to see an executive responding directly to a rumor so quickly, you know, so uh, clearly shutting it down. I, you wouldn't expect, if she was leaving, you wouldn't expect her to admit it because there's insider trading stuff going on and quiet periods and, and, and stuff. You, you, but, but to, to have her come out and say that, you know, that, that's seemed to be pretty reassuring, I think, to AMD fans who were concerned about this. Or does it prove the validity of the rumor? We can neither uh, confirm nor deny that. By coming out so strongly, as you said, it's unusual. Does that mean... It's not unusual. To quit yes. on Twitter. No, no Tom Jones fans here? Anyway. You know, I guess at, I'm not done times. talking because let me ask you this. Is IBM more of a service company or a hardware company? It's a service Services. company. Yeah, and let me, a, let me clarify, too, before we go further on this, that w one of the rumors was that one of the destinations she was considering was IBM. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So why would a person with, you know, an MIT background and engineering and actual chip design and has led a turnaround of, of a company that, while long-lived, has not always had the greatest of, of success, why would they suddenly go into a company that is divesting itself of all of its fabs is, mm -hmm. is hardly designing any power stuff anymore. And yeah, they're focusing on service and other tier and key solutions that they cobble together from people's other, you know, other people's technologies. Why would Lisa go there? I mean, they, they money, a giant money. salary and an unbelievable <laughs> signing bonus. Well, I sure. think would be true. Two reasons. But there yeah, is another but, hurdle. She's not over six foot tall. Was that an IBM CEO IBM back in the days? Oh, no, the, the salesman. IBM salesmen were all like six, six or so. It was designed to be imposing. Yes, you will be buying something from us. Hmm. Well, see, they, they miss those days. They regret the Lenovo yeah. sale. Uh, they... They want to get. They, they see the trouble with China and the trade. So the, the new thing is, is uh, IBM will buy AMD. There you go. That, there you go. Yeah. That just fits and, right and in. It, it completes the puzzle. Yeah. It'll be like the Apple acquisition of Intel's modem business out of nowhere. But there's no partnership. Where's Where's the litigation that's going to lead to this sudden? Like they'll they'll trade Lisa Sue in exchange for the, dropping the suit that hasn't, you know, even been filed yet. I'm rambling, and none of this makes any no, sense. No, we need a third party involved. It'll be ARM that's actually suing them both for having oh, onboarding okay, yes. their architecture. Mm -hmm. And what's going on with PowerPC? I mean, wh what about the uh, Power Architecture? I mean, where does oh, that it's still fit coming? In? Still okay. coming. I think what they're up to Power Nine now, but yep. it's 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 just maybe not, Lisa. Uh, 
Lisa can come over to IBM, put power on seven nanometer, and turn IBM's uh, server business around. And, and <laughs> grab grab Sony and Microsoft back into the power fold. There we go. Uh, there you have it. No, That's... no, it's it's going to be Apple. We've been hearing Apple's going to ARM. It's actually going to be the G5 oh. MacBook Pro. Finally. Finally. After 15 So years. many years of waiting. <laughs> the elegance of the PowerPC yeah. architecture will make a change. You know, we laugh uh, about this, but next thing we know, yeah. she, she goes over to IBM and we're just, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do wonder now that she has stated this, if she could even do that without significant SEC implications. But yeah, but, you know, well, so I, I, I think I think we're, we're if you if you if you are happy that Lisa Sue is at AMD, I think there's reason to be comforted uh, with these rumors. I don't think I don't think anything that's happened has has, has added to their validity. So. No, I don't, so I don't think she's going anywhere soon. Maybe her yeah. review is coming up, and this is just a ploy to get a bigger <laughs> raise. Uh, so you know, I did this kind of stuff at my last job all the time. You know, it was a rumor Sebastian's going to quit, and then, yeah. you know, my He's 2% raise becomes 2.5%. Yeah. You, you just uh, destroyed your negotiating power here, Sebastian. Thank you. Appreciate it's it. It's okay. I've, I, I quit that job a long time ago, and I'm sure they won't take me back at this point. I meant your negotiating power with me. Oh, well, I mean, I'm just speaking hypothetically, Jim, about uh, a retail uh, career that I, you know, it's a, it's a distant may or may not life, go back to, yeah. which I may have to go back to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's continue on with the news. Let's jump off of AMD for a minute here and uh, let's talk what? about NVIDIA. Um, so there's uh, if you have an NVIDIA card, whether it's a GeForce or a Quadro, uh, you Better check that your drivers are up to date. Uh, NVIDIA issued a uh, security bulletin recently uh, warning that there, uh, there's a, a security vulnerability in the drivers. I believe the, the GeForce driver is 431.60. So if you're running anything older than that, make sure yeah. you get over and update that to, to make sure that you're patched. And so, that thing's uh, only two weeks old. Yeah, so it's, it's a very recent. Very uh, new. Yeah, released July twenty third, four thirty one point six zero. So, uh, or if you've got the studio version, it's four thirty one point seven zero. That's and right. if you're running some of the fancy newer cards, uh, well, be very careful for a week or two, because they haven't quite ironed out those patches yet. And uh, uh, just a thank you to uh, Mere PPC, uh, Mere PPC in our Discord, who reminded me this is for Windows. Windows. This is a, a Windows. Volume. Oh yes, true. And you know what? There's a four thirty one dot six eight beta. Is there? Yes, because okay. uh, when you exit a three D application, your mouse cursor is jacked, and so my my computer would go into a three D screensaver. And I'd come out, and and like my cursor was in two halves, this far apart, and I didn't know which one to <laughs> click. And it was, but yeah, updated to that one, and it fixed it. Oh, good. Am I alone in finding it adorable that Josh still uses a 3D screensaver in 2019? No, you know, you know most what? people in the LCD era don't even use screensavers anymore. Like it's just the screen just turns off after like ten minutes. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I, I miss 3D screensavers. They make me happy okay. on the inside. Tubes. Well, that's and I don't care that I'm tube? you know pulling 300 watts from yes, the wall. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Your computer is a 3D screensaver. When the screensaver mm. kicks in, than when you're actually using it. Yeah. 
but the to the toasters must fly. That's they true. must. Actually, although that that was a that was a two D screensaver technically. Yes. So yeah. they should release VR Christmas. Do you box. remember VR Man? Mm -hmm. No. VR Xmas. VR Xmas. Huh. Yep. It was great, great, great screensavers. Hmm. He had an aquarium that was you know, yeah. And then ATI would do screensavers, and Nvidia had one as well, and. How those days are past us because people are worried about energy efficiency and the environment. Why would you want to do that? I Who wants to breathe? You can have a 3D screensaver. Well, the you know, plus I've... pack for Windows XP included 3D screensavers that blew my mind back in 2001. Yeah, yeah, and and with all these OLED screens starting to hit notebooks and soon you know desktop displays, you're you're going to need screensavers and pixel orbiters yeah. and all kinds of stuff to end up with. Uh, come back. Yeah, because you can't have that image retention. But, uh, all right, so uh, as we said, check your NVIDIA drivers. Make sure you're running at least 431.6 if you're on Windows. It's a Windows-related vulnerability. So yes, uh, check that out. Uh, moving on, we've got another story. This is uh, from Asus. They've got their uh, Asus Zenfone 6, which they, which they had announced quite a while ago. Uh, yeah. they, they announced it, I think it was last end of last year, and then there was... You know, it was announced earlier at the very start of this year, and then they had a, yeah. a preview at Computex, and then I got to see a, a couple demo units in New York. They had a little event back in April, um, and now they're here. They're, the, the, the Asus Zenfone 6 is here, starting at four ninety nine unlocked. Tell us, uh, tell us about this, Sebastian. Well, that pricing, I mean, obviously there are phones that are cheaper, and there are phones that are a lot more expensive. This is right, right in the middle. However, if you look at specs... This is right up there with flagship phones from like Samsung. And in fact, it, it may have the most impressive overall camera of any phone you can buy right now because you're dealing with the primary sensor is a 48 megapixel Sony sensor. It's the IMX586. And there is no front facing camera on this. So you have no pump. There's no, you know, protrusion, no holes, no anything. But there is a mechanism that flips the entire camera around. There have been videos like MKBHD and others on YouTube have been showing this off since I think May is when all the hands-on stuff went online, but it works well. It's, it seems durable enough that it could last. And it's certainly impressive because you you then get the best front facing camera in the business. It's like, it's the highest rated front facing camera in the history of DXO Mark, of course, because it's really a rear-facing camera, but it got a 98 out of 100 from them. Just a tremendously good quality camera. But the rest of the specs, too, it's it's a Snapdragon 855. The base model has 6 gigs of memory. There is an 8-gigabyte option. Of course, that camera sensor, it's a 6.4-inch display. It's only uh, 1080. It's uh, FHD+. Plus. It's like the taller uh, 1080 aspect, but and it's not OLED. So if you look at the specs, this is a $1,000 phone if it was like QHD Plus, AMOLED, and sold by Samsung. But, you know, they, they actually just announced some phones today, one of which is only FHD Plus, the new Note 10. And if you don't get the Plus, you're on the same screen resolution as this Asus Zenfone 6. So this is only $499 for an unlocked phone with these kind of specs. It's pretty amazing when you consider the base iPhone 10 is $1,000. And you're in the $900 range, I think, for the lowest cost Samsung Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken, the Galaxy S10. So it's a nice alternative. I am very curious about the longevity of that 
camera, the flip up camera mechanism, but we will see. Yeah, the, the cameras, it's, it's neat. They've got a uh, drop sensor. So if the camera is in an extended position and you drop it, it very quickly snaps shut. And I got yeah. to see that demoed and it, it seemed to work well. And another cool thing with the camera is uh, it will, if you're in panorama, pan, uh, panorama mode, uh, you can, without having to move the phone, the mm. camera will move. And oh, yeah. Capture, yep, it's, uh, it just, it tracks. Yeah. It, was, yeah, it, so it, can, do, it can do panoramic uh, up and down without having to move the phone, or it can do tracking on a subject so that it's automatically moving as, as the, the identified subject moves. So some, some neat functionality built into software to take advantage of that, that, uh, that hardware. But, uh, all right, yeah. So that's the, uh, the Asus hey, hey. Zenfone 6. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Hey, hey Jeremy. Um, <clears throat> did, did you know anything about uh, ESPN, the Ocho, today? Was Dodgeball on again? Okay, so basically, yeah, ESPN turned into the Ocho, and they had all kinds of crazy things, and it all led up to the World Cup of Dodgeball. Canada was up 12-2, to 2, and the U.S. won in overtime. Cheaters. Yeah, just always be on the line. Know. Yeah, yeah, we don't the get Ocho. that. Up okay, does, does that have any tie into the Zen phone or? Nope, no, no. He heard subject tracking. He's like, wait a minute, I know about subject tracking, and I was like, oh, in real life. I am going to distract. Nice, right? Well, uh, check check YouTube for the highlights of the real life Ocho. <laughs> You can um, dodge a phone. You can dodge a ball. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, the uh, best part is they had a bunch of interns that they 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 put uh, lube on and they had to climb stairs. Ugh. And so I, I, I obviously I thought of of Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I knew this was coming. Yeah. Oh dear. By the All way, right. uh, this coming story that Jim is desperately trying to uh, segue into, <laughs> I, it has one of the better kind of like low-key subtitles that Jeremy has done recently, I have to say. Yeah, oh, this one ain't me. Oh, wait, this one is me. Good job on this. This is a new monitor. Well, it's it's a monitor that has been uh, teased by Asus. It's an R- the Asus ROG uh, G-Sync ultra-wide, um, and it's finally available, and... Uh, yeah, tell us, Jeremy, what's your, uh, for our audio listeners, re- read your uh, subtitle for us. Yeah. Oh, uh, G-Sync Ultimate is so hot, it has fans everywhere. Because active cooling is a thing on these. <laughs> there, there's a reason these are thick monitors. But they're, they're, when you look at it, it does make a, a sense in a way. Because it's a 35-inch or 1440p a VA panel, but if you turn your color down to H- 8-bit HDR, it can overclock to 200 hertz, which, it, it, which is just nuts. Like, like that is just an insane, uh, you know, I, I don't even know, I can't even picture what it looks like, to be honest. I mean, that's just beyond fast refresh rates and onto some other strange realm. If you are a color purist and you want the proper 10-bit HDR, then you have to drop down to 144 hertz, which is, you know, pretty much par for the course for an adaptive sync monitor. And at the same time, you're getting full HDR, uh, a thousand nits peak, so it's not crap HDR or pretend HDR. You've got full-on beautiful HDR color. It's going to cost you 
between $2,500 to $3,000. It, it, it's a hell of a monitor, but you, you are going to pay more than you did for your computer. Uh, well, unless you bought like a, a 2080 Ti, in which case it might come close. A TechSpot like spent a whole bunch of time with it, screwing around, okay, well, what happens if we go back to SDR versus HDR, which is very difficult to display on an SDR monitor, but they, they give it a good shot. And try and compare, you know, can you f- actually physically detect something when it's running at 200 hertz versus 144, or is it more or less about the same? And I think, unless you're younger than uh, most of us here on this podcast, uh, your your eyes just aren't really going to be sharp enough to notice it. But some of the people were convinced they could definitely see a difference. It's... Also, I believe this one has a one millisecond uh, response time. I didn't put that down, but I think that's what it was, which is, again, just it, it's sheer insanity. And if you've got the money and you've got the love for it, go for it. Otherwise, you know, I'm just, that's, that's like, you know, audio file level audio, but for visual people, I, it's, it's a bit wacky, but there are going to be people out there. And I mean, Hey, if, someone wants to send me one so I can test it out, I would be more than happy to just to see it in all of its glory. Yeah. And Asus is no I'm sure they won't let you keep it though. Yeah. Uh, PG 35 VQ. Yes. The Asus ROG Swift PG 35 VQ. And and this is not Asus's first uh, multi-thousand dollar gaming display. They, the no. first round of true HDR gaming monitors from Asus and Acer, for that matter, uh, were, what, 2000 2500 uh, yeah. They were up there. This follows the same sort of pricing pattern we've been seeing for the, the ultra high ends. Yep, yep. But uh, as with all display technology, give it a few months, maybe a year, it'll come down. Remember the first 4K monitors? Three thousand bucks. I have one of the first 4K monitors back here, actually. Which one is that? This is a Samsung something rather 28 inch. I can't remember. It's not oh. one of the very first. I think this one does not have to do the. Uh, what was that called? Where it actually was like a multi uh, multi stream. Yeah, yeah. This is like the yeah. first of the non multi streams. Oh, At least right. you weren't trying to ship it over from like a cat leap from uh, China yeah. or anything. Or Korea. Well, yeah, those were yeah, those were great. Korea. Some of those Korean uh, displays, like they were four or five hundred bucks, and yeah, you know, the they were they were like the iMac panels, right, or the the cinema display panels. Uh, yeah. that, that was later on. Um, oh, okay. Was the Iliama? Well, what was the brand of the Korean or Chinese 4K monitor that uh, it was like the first affordable one? The the, the guy the well, old, were the the cat old crew had one. Was that Cat Leap? Like yeah, they, those are fourteen forty. No, there, okay. there was a four. Oh, you could be right. That Ryan. There's another. Yeah, there's another one, and I. There was. We did a story on it back then, and I cannot yeah. remember right now. Like the remote was all in Chinese, and they. Oh, oh wasabi mango. Uh, yes, yes, that, yeah, the wasabi. Mango. That's right. That ended onion up being the, the like the TV in the studio. The like you'd see the Skype callers. That that was its final purpose. Yep. It's probably still there, because probably I, yeah. The last time I, I stopped by, uh, everything was still kind of where it was when we all 
we all abandoned ship. Um, actually, with truckloads of of gear. Yeah, that's the wrong way. They kicked. They kicked, we were the rats. They kicked us. We off were abandoned. Yes, that's we didn't true. abandon them. I still but, regret yeah. not taking as much like a job at Intel as I could. Well, <laughs> I, I don't. I can't regret something that was never offered to me. Jeremy. Yeah. But yeah, all all of those old cards. Like I could. How many four uh, eighties could I have taken? So many, and twenty nine. Like the two ninety X's, one of which I already had, but I mean, and older, well, like way older than that. Although Ryan did get rid of a lot of the but really the old seventy eight hundred series, and I've still got a couple of fifty eight seventies behind me. So, oh, there were a lot oh, of yeah. those. There was yeah, half a dozen multiple... of the original Nvidia Shields. Oh yeah, mm. there were multiple levels of uh, graphics card storage there. Like you had like all the stuff that they were currently working on, which was in like boxes in the front, and then in the back there was some some bins that were the last couple years and then there was a a literal like the the box from a car seat that i think ryan had bought for his daughter (laughs) that was that was four feet tall and just piled with no any static bags or anything just piled full of graphics cards going back to like the radeon 9800 and the gtx 285 like yeah and this is after ryan did a video of him throwing out a stack of video card boxes taller than he was. Yeah, man. Yeah. And he got that metal, uh, metal, uh, uh, what you call oh, it? Oh, the thermite? The, the silver bars. No, 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 no. The, the rolling rack that mm. he just put bins in. And then it was just card yep. after card after card after card after card. card. There's yep. probably 300 pounds worth of video cards on there. <laughs> Good time. What's Crazy. disturbing is just in. The seven, eight months I've been doing this, and I don't feel like we've had that many cards come in, maybe a couple per launch, but they add up. And if you don't throw the boxes away, it starts to accumulate. And there are now cards like over here and back here and on a shelf over there and stacked up over here. And if I did this for a couple more years, it would start to look like the old office. Like it it accumulates fast. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it, it's it's awkward because you, you can't you can't sell them, you know. We were giving them as review samples, so you can't you know get rid of them by selling them. I mean, it's, unfortunately, some outlets do, but you're not supposed to. And 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 if you give them away, then it gets into like you know how do you give them, how do you give them away, and then what what do you want to give away because you want to keep stuff in case something like there's maybe there's a major dr- a driver change or something, and you want to be able to have those old cards to to redo testing if if there's a need. Go back and test the five sixty. Yeah, why not? Well, Jim, but, the only answer I've, I've is still got a to just mine with me. all of them. Yeah. Well, it's your power, Bill. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't even imagine. And that's the, the thing. I'm sure if, if Bitcoin was $20,000, it'd be tempting. But yeah. there's no way, especially not in a Michigan summer, it would be 100 degrees down here. Well, you'd have a case for each and every one of them. No, absolutely not. The cases are attic insulation, Jeremy. <laughs> well, yeah, you start running uh, Bitcoin mining up there, it'll get even warmer. Until uh, the roof catches fire. But the house, yeah, and the house burns down, yeah. yes. And if you keep doing it into the winter, then you'll have a you know visit from your local drug enforcement agency. Yeah. Yes. Why is there no snow on your roof, sir? But, uh... All right, You're we'll... never going to believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Let's move on. Uh, we've got uh, another news story here. That, uh, going back to the AMD side of things and PCIe 4.0, uh, a new entry into the uh, list of about, a, what, maybe 10 or so PCIe 4.0 SSDs out there. And this one is from ADATA, and that's uh, their XPG gaming brand. They've got the new Gamix or Gamix, I don't know, G-A-M-M-I-X, S550, which is their entry. And again, this is still the Fizon controller. Basically, every PCIe 4.0 drive on the market now is the same Fizon controller. So you kind of know what to expect in terms of performance. Uh, but this is their PCIe 4.0 drive uh, with capacities up to 2 terabytes. So again, you know, sort of exactly like we've seen with everyone else, but it's another option for you. Anybody got any thoughts on this guy? You know, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were talking about the J Micron uh, SSD controller that that would hiccup and cause your your PC to freeze. And now we're talking low end Fizon stuff that still gives you five gigabytes per second of, of throughput in reads, and it doesn't get that bad. It doesn't ever really slow down. You know what, six hundred megabytes per second in 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 random four K writes or something like that. Yeah, I O has gotten so ridiculous. It's awesome. You can't back that into a corner like the X twenty five M. You can't you can't pull a Malventano and no, you turn can't. it into like a a tiny useless partition by hammering it with okay. Well, maybe by hammering it, but yeah, short of that. You know, the one nice thing I like about it is that they've gone with a, an understated heatsink. Uh, they haven't gone with one of the giant wacky ones that we've been seeing on a few of them. Yeah, and and the the, the necessity of those bigger heatsinks is you know questionable based on your your case. Like I know, like you got to uh, keep your flash warm. Well, sure. Uh, the uh, Gigabyte and Corsair ones, the heatsink's removable. I think on a lot of them, and then the Sabrent one ships without the heatsink as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just depending, you know, if, if your motherboard has an integrated heatsink, uh, that's a good good option. And then depending on your your airflow in your case and other components, you, you may not need to to go with those. Okay, so uh, let me let me tell you this. I got the uh, the MSI uh, Gaming M7 X470. And right now with the current mm-hmm. BIOS, it actually runs a PCIe 4.0. And so I installed that Sovereign on there. And uh, I had a, an Intel SSD, the 660p, 2 terabyte in there. And I'd feel the heat sink that, you know, would cover the chipset and the uh, and the SSDs. And it was always, you know, cool to the touch. And so, you know, I threw that Sovereign in there. And I started hammering on it with benchmarks, and I was like, oh, I'll see what this heat sink's doing. It's like, all right, that's a significant difference in this big chunk of metal and the amount of heat that's coming out of it. It's, it is no joke. It's a 15 watt uh, TDP that you're looking at from that Fizon chip. And it's no joke. You need to keep that damn thing cool. And it right. will, it will heat up your, your NAND chips nicely. <laughs> with that heat sink and with your chipset cooler and it'll probably heat up your chipset a little bit as well because those things usually are seven to eight watts of uh you know tdp except if it's the worry. x570 yeah because if you if you're doing this on x570 that little integrated heat spreader and the 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 chipset cooler it'll keep it all cool it'll just get really yes. really loud 
This is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no, no question that the PCIe 4 drives are uh, power, power hungry and hot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but uh, as, as, as someone once told me, never cool your, your, your flash chips. Never cool the memory, only the controller. We need, we need tiny tower heat sinks for those PCI Gen 4 SSDs. Mm-hmm. Like one of those that you if see on a Raspberry Pi. Come to our rescue. Yeah. Where's the Hyper 212 Mini? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Does Alpha still do phones? Are you talking about the Delta Blacks? Or sorry, Delta, not Alpha. Yeah, Delta. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say a tiny Delta. Can you imagine what a twenty millimeter Delta fan would sound like? Twenty yes, millimeters, yes, I can. like sixty millimeters deep. Okay, no, thirty mils deep. Oh, okay. All right. So that's the uh, if, if you're interested in a PCIe 4.0 drive, that's the XPG, the A Data slash XPG Gamex S5. I'm sorry, S50. That's a long name. Yep. And I still, I'm still not... Are they going for game in the Gamex? Is it ga- Gamex? Gamex? What's their... Probably, it's probably Gamex, right? Wasn't that like, like a gaming. Link villain? Oh, I don't know. Well, whatever. Gamex. Let's move on. Uh, so the next story is uh, some more security vulnerabilities uh, that were announced, although patched, which is good. It was patched... Uh, so the, There's the SwapGS uh, Spectre flaw... Uh, for Intel processors, which was announced, uh, it, it was made public uh, yesterday, I believe, right? Yeah. And because uh, they they finally finished the the Linux patch, right? So that was the the thing was that it was made public. Uh, as as with a lot of security research, uh, the Windows team was already notified. They patched Windows last month, and the reason it went public yesterday was because that was when Linux finally got uh, the uh, the patching in, in place there as well. Um, and uh, Pharonix did some uh, some testing, right, Jeremy? Uh, what, what did they find? Yep. I, f- 1% performance deg- degradation, if even. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the most they saw approached about 2% in many tasks. It was absolutely nothing, uh, which is also good because that's what this vulnerability kind of amounts to. It's so ridiculous the steps you have to go through to be able to make use of this uh that you know there's 50 60 other vulnerabilities you'd so much easier to do that we haven't patched yet that you'd person would go for but on the other hand hey it's nice that they can't do this one yeah i think i, I think there were a couple tests where it it got to about five percent difference but no not, not huge mm. overall right although i mean i think as as is the continuing saga here with intel is it you know death by a thousand cuts or whatever the well, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, it's another percent on top of, as you said earlier, about 40 to 45, 50%, depending on your workload, when you do all of the mitigations at once. Yeah, yeah 5% for ping socket, because that's, you know, important. <laughs> <laughs> right. So- I, yeah, it's it's good to see that we're still patching it. Um, I'm looking forward to all of the stories that will break tomorrow about how someone just updated their windows pc and it got significantly slower magically because the the patch from a month ago is now now that people know about it they're they're i guarantee you they're going to scream 
Right. I did not yep. see any upspikes in, wow, suddenly my CPU is gone kind of a little bit crappy last month with the security rollouts and the patches. And I miss the knowledge base articles that used to come with the patches and Will Wiss's before Windows 10 that I could read and figure out what they were doing. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Right. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what the reaction is here. Um, but uh, it looks like at least the mitigations in Windows and Linux for this one were minimal, thankfully. And uh, now we wait for the next one and see what happens there. But uh, all right, let's uh, finish up. Ever was. Yep. Let's uh, finish up uh, the news. We've got a final story here. This is a uh, an interesting new ASRock X570 board. It's a mini ITX board, uh, which is uh, somewhat unique in terms of all the X570 boards that have come out so far. But there's more to it. It's got integrated Thunderbolt three, and it has a uh, the, the uh, an adapter for the cooling mounts that supports Intel. Uh, coolers. So, so you've got uh, not everyone, but there's a a list here. Uh, it's uh, where is it? Uh, so you know you got a lot of the Corsair AIO coolers, the Noctua coolers, some of the Silverstone coolers. So if you're if you're upgrading, if you've got an Intel platform and you've got a nice cooler uh, that you want to continue to use, you can go to X570, and if you get this board, you can use your cooler on uh, on your new Ryzen 3000 processor. So that's that's pretty neat. This is the Azrock X570. Phantom Gaming ITX slash Thunderbolt three. I was gonna say real quick the one of the advantages of this would be if you want to jump on the X five seventy bandwagon, you want to get one of these new Ryzen processors, and like Jim said, you've had a small form factor system. People spend pretty good money on some of these really low profile coolers, and you might have invested in one that works perfectly in your case, and it's LGA eleven fifty whatever. And you can just plop it right in this if you have like that ubiquitous Noctua cooler or one of the smaller Silverstones. And of course, it works with all the AIO coolers from Corsair. But yeah, it's just a drop-in replacement without having to have an AM4 adapter kit. Yeah, and there's a list. Does it work with the cooler that your processor shipped with? Unknown. It actually looks like it might be a little tight there. And so I think the layout they went with is what necessitated this unique choice. Because it, because okay. I was, I was looking for a reason a for it. Tight, yeah. It looks like putting it all together the way they did with the X570 chipset. There isn't a whole lot of room around that socket, and I don't think yeah. some of the larger small form factor coolers would fit next to well, that no, shield. I mean, just, just, the, just the AMD, just the AMD mounting mechanism would infringe upon not only the 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 power stuff at the top. But the yeah. cooling at the bottom, because those They've are those get... are spread out pretty pretty big. I don't think they had much of a choice. They're like, um, yeah, we're not going to be able to fit everything we want in this and 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 power. Uh, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> is is it hasn't it run its course at this point? Clipping CPU heat sinks in with with clips on hooks on each end of. A, I, it's like the socket seven era has never died at this point. At least you're not clipping right. it directly to the CPU socket anymore. Dude, I would, I would keep the damn clips than the, the push pins of, Intel I hate, stuff yeah, I hate and, the push pins. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. think that, um, you know, the, the, the back plate and the clips, they are beefy enough that you can get enough pressure on the CPU. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, 
It's just size. Size matters. And I haven't driven a <laughs> screwdriver yes, through yes. a motherboard in years now. Yeah, and I've enjoyed not yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, so have I. All right, uh, so that that's the last of the news stories. Let's jump into the picks of the week. I believe, uh, Jeremy, you're up first. So you'll recall a few weeks back, we were just starting out, and then all of a sudden I disappeared. And I told you that I'd heard my secondary machine uh, post, and it somehow took out a router at the same time. Well, since then, the machine had never been quite stable, and I hadn't had enough time until this long weekend to rip it apart, clean everything up, put it back together, and try and figure out why Wattman is constantly screaming and why it's crashing any time I put load on it. And so I put it all back together and everything, and it was still behaving oddly, but better. Temperatures were much better. I mean, the thermal goo had been on there since the original time I bought that uh, i7-920. And so I'm trying to figure out what it is. So I've got it open, and I'm just looking to see if there's any shorts. And I sort of push the main ATX power uh, cable out of the way, and boop, it reboots. And so I try it again, and yeah, if you wiggle that main ATX power connector for the motherboard, it immediately reboots. Now, thankfully, I had an older uh, Antec 550 PSU just sort of gathering dust, so I pulled out the XFX one that had been doing solid duty for six, seven years or so, uh, whenever that 920 came out replaced it and she's fine i could have avoided the whole bloody thing by picking up a cheap psu tester uh you can buy fancy ones but honestly the 13 dollar freaking one is perfect and it walks you through you know put in the power plug in a sata cable unplug a sata cable while it's running plug in a floppy unplug a floppy while it's running and it's a pass fail it's not going to tell you okay you're you're a little bit low on the five volt it's just going to go from green to red and it tells you immediately, yeah, your PSU is buggered. Uh, Thermal take, if you prefer the fancier ones and don't mind dropping uh, 40, 50 bucks on them, it will sit there and it will run and actually monitor and tell you. Uh, or you can get really nice ones like Lee uses when he's doing uh, the PSU reviews. But seriously, just 12 or 13 bucks, pick one up, throw it in a corner somewhere. And the next time that your system is being a little bit flaky, one of the quick, you know, reseat the RAM, reseat the video card, take out the main ATX power connector, plug it in there, and like, oh. And now you don't have to redo all your heat thermal goop and everything else. Or unscrew the motherboard and so on and so forth. Good, Cheap, easy, good, smart. Good piece of equipment to have in any builder's toolkit. So that's the uh, the ones that Jeremy uh, pointed out here was the instant, uh, instant 20 to 24, or 20 and 24 pin power supply tester and the thermal take Dr. Power 2. And we'll have, as, as with all of our picks, always we'll have links in the show notes to these uh, to these picks or the YouTube description if you're watching that way. All right, Josh, what have you got for us? All right, so you know what? If uh, I got two picks. Uh, you can look in, in the PC First staff Discord for, for one of them, but for the time being, we can we can we can show if if you've got computers and dogs, get one of these damn things. Because Dog Shed and the Furminator, which is one of the greatest product names out there, it takes care of a lot man. of the undercoat and uh, other shedding issues. So yeah, it's uh, so it's not terribly expensive. It's not cheap, but you're going to have it for many, many, many years, and uh, it may save some computer components. 
throughout your lifetime <laughs> because they're not absolutely stuffed with dog hair. Mm-hmm. The other one is uh, Newegg uh, just uh, put this up. It's the Epic Ooh. 7702 64 core 3.35 GHz Mac Boost PCI 4.0 256 megs of L3 cache for only $6,500. And look at that, only 200 watts. Only 200 watt TDP. I thought it was for 225. All of those cores. All, all those of cores. the cores. All the cores. I wonder That's when they're going to be actually available. But it's interesting that they put up the page already. Yep. And on Newegg. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I guess I should correct myself. Uh, when we started talking about Epic, I said, these are not the ones you're going to go out and buy. But maybe you will. <laughs> Well, it's the same thing we said about the, the oh, look, it's a, 50 it's a box processor core Intel yeah. thing, the $3,000 Eon. And then like right away it was on Newegg and then it was available for sale for like 3,200 bucks. So yeah, it's not, I mean, you, you Newegg apparently buy, likes to do that. Uh, you know, a, a five-year-old Honda Civic or a processor. Processor. Yeah. Or people for healthcare bills. But uh, yeah, and I will say too that just default on those. uh, uh, Can't anymore. Uh, The Furminator, uh, good for cats as well as hairy Lebanese men. Oh, so good to know. Ah, good to know because you know the hairballs. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of an internet search history I ran into today that I didn't want to know Mm. about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do I? I'm gonna to have to mark this as uh, explicit on iTunes. Oh, I'm not gonna say for work. Just not sharing. Okay, well, it good. was at work. Good. So what the hell do you want? Oh. Well, at least we, we want to share your pain. Jeremy. No, we don't. No, you. Okay. you it's, it's one of those things you'll never unsee or unknow that you wish you never knew. Okay, Sebastian. What's your pick, Sebastian? You convinced me. Um. So, uh, in the last 20 years on the internet it, when web stores have opened up that use numbers instead of words like the number four instead of the word four it, it's usually sketchy but there is a website called accessories for that's the number four less.com that is legitimate they've been around for a long time and i have bought numerous things from them over the last decade and what they are basically is the place where you go to buy the official refurbished stuff from like the Denons and Morants and Yamaha and Boston Acoustics and Cat. I had no idea Boston brand. Acoustics was still around. Yeah. I mean, they, they, oh, yeah. they outsource. Were they bought by Korea, like everybody uh, else. Cre- cre- Creative? I'm not sure. Hmm. Thought but they were. Anyway. The, the pick I have is right now they're doing a deal. They have sales and deals all the time. A lot of times it's refurbished. This is this is a new item. So probably Boston Acoustics has finally discontinued the venerable A26, which is a a very substantial bookshelf speaker. It's a two-way bookshelf speaker. It's magnetically shielded, which doesn't really matter as much anymore. But it was always meant to be a, a speaker you could put in your living room next to the TV or put it next to your computer monitor or just build a standalone two-channel stereo system with it. And it's it's that versatile. It's probably the most versatile bookshelf speaker I've ever owned. And I've, I've bought and sold A26 speakers several times in the last 10 years. And it's now to the point where per speaker, 129 brand new five-year warranty accessories less as a, they're an authorized dealer for all these brands, but 
they do these sales like the one that's going on right now, which is buy one, get one half off. So if you actually put the two speakers in your cart, it's less than 200 bucks for both speakers, which was the, the resale price of one. And that's a great intro into hi-fi. If you're looking at maybe you have an old receiver from a family member or something or you found one at a Goodwill and you want to drive some easy to drive, very good sounding speakers, these would be a great way to go. And they would grow with you. You could get a better receiver down the road and they would sound better. So this paired with like a Yamaha integrated amp sound phenomenal. And they have way more bass than you would expect from a bookshelf speaker that stands a little over a foot tall. So the A26 Boston Acoustics speakers at Accessories for Less. All right. A good recommendation on a good speaker and a recommendation on the other Boston website. Yeah, not the other Boston guys, because then your speaker will start running around the apartment and looking like a scary dog. What's this? It's the the I robotics a, guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, with the, the the really scary robots that open doors and pounce on right. you and jump. What's the, and, what's the name yeah. of their that firm? Boston something? Is it? Is it Boston, Boston Robotics? robotics? This is completely over my head. Ominous than that. Cambridge, yeah, Boston Dynamics, Boston Sorry. Dynamics. Boston Dynamics. Oh, okay, yes. okay, with the Cambridge agile anthropomorphic robot, robot, yeah. yeah. There, there's a series of YouTube videos where a uh, a gentleman does voiceovers uh, personifying the robots, which is funny. As they're beating him with hockey sticks to yeah, stop like, him from opening like, the door. Yeah. Damn it, Kevin, stop hitting me. Uh, so anyway. why did the AIs turn on us anyways? Exactly. This is how you get Skynet. But uh, my pick is a little unusual, and I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that I've had time to think and recently and time to think about morose things, and I don't know. I just I got into a frame of mind where I found I stumbled across this YouTube channel, and I was captivated. And they don't have a lot of subscribers, and I think they do an excellent <laughs> job. And it's called Vacuum Wars. And it's... <laughs> Literally a channel where they just compare and review vacuum cleaners. Well, vacuum cleaners and related accessories, things like uh, Roombas and uh, carpet, like uh, like wet carpet cleaners. And um, yeah, air, uh, air filters. There's a couple of videos where they do some air filter testing. And and I'm not in the market for a vacuum cleaner. I I don't know what it was, but they just the videos, they're short and they're to the point. They get away from this this trend on YouTube or just some idiot like I am right now just rambles on and smash that like button, subscribe every five seconds. And they just they get to the point, they show the, the comparison, and it's just entertaining to me. And I thought, again, I'm probably just this is probably just because my head's not been right recently, but it's um, it's the medication talking, yeah. Jim, I, I was just discussing how I don't want to know about people's fetishes and what they do on the internet. Well, <laughs> I, it didn't go that far yet, but hey, you know, there's time. But check it out if you're interested. I mean, I think it's a hoot. I think they, the videos are well done to the point. They're interesting. You're kind of like, ooh, I wonder if that one's going to win the competition. And uh, and yeah. And, oh, you are, and, are you? Yes, I am. So, so you're uh, saying my Samsung is not going to do it? Uh, well, I, maybe I, I don't. I don't. It depends on the category. Uh, but uh, like robot, they've got all the different reddest? Robot vacuums. What's that? Uh, the reddest vacuum. The reddest like, vacuum. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very popular, very bright red. Very popular color in the uh, the world of uh, food appliances. I guess. Maybe I don't know, but no, it is. All, all foodies love is, red. Is, yeah. 
just just do your the, the videos are super short go check this channel out watch one video see how he does like the guy formats the the video it's it's just entertaining and to the point and are you saying we should emulate it. this i like think two minute video card reviews straight yes. to the point is this one better or this one better right exactly right. i I'll think watch, that there's, the videos, some there's something to learn about presentation from this it's not going to hit the metrics and it's not going to you know because youtube i guess there's oh, then who uh, cares well, it's it's about we don't get any ad revenue anyway from YouTube, but but the point okay. is like th there's bigger channels that game the system. It has to be a certain length. It has to have certain keywords. This guy doesn't True. play those games. He just gets to the point and and uh, yeah, check it out. Vacuum Wars, <laughs> and I and I need to I really need to reevaluate <laughs> my life. Um, but uh, all right, well, that's that's all the topics uh, uh, we had for this week. Anybody else got anything they want to say before we? Uh, we head out here i'm i'm spent you yeah. know for a slow week on the website we sure did talk a lot well it was, yeah. some of the stories were pretty big including big. the ones we didn't even have a chance to cover because we didn't get sampled yeah. uh epic rome but uh appreciate everyone sticking with us here uh as we said at the beginning of the show these are done live usually on wednesday nights at 10 p.m eastern head over to pcpro.com slash subscribe to get on our mailing list so that uh, you don't miss a live show um, oh, I better check. I didn't check the whole show to see if we got any Patreons. Real quick, Ooh. let me just check that. Uh, we did. We got one. I apologize here. Let's see. Um, Igor A. Pa Palchik. I, I'm butchering that. I apologize. But Igor, Igor uh, raised their pledge. Uh, so thank you so much, Igor. Appreciate that. Um, and... Uh, Appreciate the uh, the the uh, uh, donation. Oh, it's, it's uh, the email here. Shrouded Wolf, Shrouded Wolf. I know that that yeah. uh, handle. Thank you so much, mm. and uh, everyone else who joined us live. Thank you. And if you're watching on demand, uh, thanks for uh, for downloading or tuning in on YouTube uh, as you may have uh, done. We'll be back uh, next week. Uh, hopefully, more stuff. I've been out uh, sick. Have not been able to do much um, contributions in terms of written content uh, or videos. Uh, so uh, I'm back and getting better, and I oh, and I appreciate everyone who's expressed concern. Uh, thank you so much for that, and uh, hopefully I'll have more to add to the site uh, in the coming weeks as well. So we'll see you all next week. Everyone have a great week, and uh, take care.